You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. We're in a new season. Things Jesus never said. This is one. God never gives you more than you can handle. Ever heard that? Okay, so here's my premise. Most of the stuff that we believe, we don't actually believe. Not just because we're followers of Jesus and there's a bunch of other stuff uh, being jammed into our heads from other places, but also because every single one of us is a human being. And everyone believes a ton of stuff that they don't believe because that's how human brains work. That's how human lives work. You're always doing stuff you don't believe. I'm thinking beliefs are, are the convictions around which we build our understanding of reality. They're the source of our meaning. And we gather here today around the belief, or at least the expectate, or the exploration of the belief, that Jesus is wisdom from God. But much of we, much of what we do, uh, does not reveal that. And that's okay. Okay? Just, no, let, you know, one script could be jump right to condemnation. Don't do that. But, but much of what we do is unconsciously gathered around other beliefs. Sometimes in a very negative way, sometimes in a deceptively destructive way, sometimes in directly contrary ways to the way of Jesus. Sometimes we get organized around different beliefs, different thoughts, different scripts, different ways of thinking and being. But you're a human being, right? Everybody human in here? Much of what you do, you do so unconsciously, and much of what you believe if belief is indeed what drives you, what motivates your action, is unexamined assumption. All right, this is my premise. Much of what you do, you don't pay that much attention to. You believe lots of stuff you don't really want to believe, or you wouldn't say you believe, but nonetheless, if you stop long enough to examine what you think, feel, and do, you actually believe very strongly, so much that it's hard to stop thinking, feeling, and doing what you're always thinking, feeling, and doing. We get so used to our minds the way that they are, we don't see the scenery that's in there at all. We rush past the same old assumptions like they're cracks in the sidewalk. The Christian life calls us to slow down and look at the cracks in the sidewalk. We're here today to gather around the unnoticed crevice of dirt between concrete slabs in front of your house and just stare at it long enough until it becomes the canyon that it actually is. It's pretty extraordinary how our minds can leap over these canyons every day, these canyons of assumption. Uh, so, so don't get down on yourself. Your mind's a beautiful thing how it does that. You know, how it just, how it just takes that giant leap every day. It's, it's, it's amazing. But remember, before we proceed, we're looking with love. So it's safe to say that, that the stuff that's down there in the Assumption Canyon is interesting. We're curious about it. We're looking at it in love, not condemnation. It's okay to say that I believe stuff that I don't actually believe. And just looking at these things long enough, just, just spending the time together... Even this time right now, it might be enough to see those things for what they really are. We, want, we who follow Jesus want to, want to choose 
Jesus daily. We want to choose his wisdom and his way. And it's not shameful to recognize when we choose other ways and turn back to him. That turning is grace. That, that turning is, is returning to, to the loving parent. That, that turning delights God. How many stories did Jesus tell about things being lost and being found? Things returning, things showing up. Our goal right now is to repent, which means to return, remind, renew, reveal, reunite, reorient. We want to reorient ourselves with, with what we actually believe. And, and it's not just a Sunday thing. This is, this is a whole life thing. So the pastors had this idea. You, you, y'all might not know the pastors. Here we are in this room. That's me and Johnny Rashid and Julie Hoke and Rachel Sensenig. We, we had this idea to talk about the things that Jesus never said because we want to do this reorientation. And here's one thing that we hear often. God never gives us more than you can handle. Now, for the record, there is a part in 1 Corinthians 10.13 that kind of sounds like this. But I don't think that it actually says this, and I'm not even going to have an argument about it. But if you were thinking of 1 Corinthians 10.13, I'm not talking about it. You can talk about it later, I guess. Uh, um, I, think that, I think that this is something that the, the, the way that this gets applied in our culture means something very different than what Paul was talking about in that letter. The conventional wisdom about this is that God is meticulously ordering our lives to test us. We're on a hamster wheel of suffering, hoping if we're good enough, by the end of our lives, we might live up to some godly standard. Tons of people believe this. I know you don't. Or maybe you don't, you wouldn't say you believe that, but some people actually believe this. I have a friend whose Puerto Rican grandma says, God will choke you, but won't strangle you to death. You know, that, that's essentially the same thing here. It's a terrible view of God. It's terrible. I hope that it sounds a little crazy to you, but, but I think that many of us grew up with that story, and, and it, unfortunately it might be the loudest story out there. Might, God, God hates you. God doesn't like you. Uh, God wants you to, to live up to some standard. He's, God is... is giving out justice and watching us to see how we respond to punishment or something like that. But, you know, that's kind of unfair. I don't, I don't, that's the extreme version of this thought. I don't, I don't, th- I don't think most people who might say this with sincerity believe that. Uh, one, one benefit to believing something like this, that, that God never gives you more than you can handle, is that, that it holds God up as sovereign. You know that word sovereign? You know, like a king over all. God orders everything. That, that could feel good. God is in control. God is all powerful. God is taking care of you. And God can take care of you. That's a reason. That's a reason that people say this, uh, I think for a good reason. But this think, this thinking quickly falls apart. When we turn it into a principle and try to apply it to every situation, we try to describe God's character by what we see God doing in our lives, and it doesn't all seem to add up, does it? How come that one was healed, but I wasn't? How how come this happened to me? 
I see a strong tendency to put God up to our own understanding. God orders everything, but then, but then we try to order God. We try to turn the mysteries of the universe into something that we can handle. When we say that God gives us only what we can handle, we assume that God wants us to handle things. And, and I think this is because we want to be able to handle things. But our hands, they're so tiny. These tiny, tiny hands. Anything that can fit in these hands is by nature of how space works only as big as these hands are. And our hands just aren't big enough. And not because they're not big enough to like handle our life. They're not big enough for the problems we're going to face. They're not big enough for anything of God. They're not big enough for the dreams that God has for us. They're not even big enough for your dreams that we were singing about with the cranberries. Your, your hands aren't big enough. Stop trying to handle everything. That's the wisdom of the world. Handle it. Deal with it. Control it. We think God controls things that way, that way too. We can only imagine God having the kind of sovereignty that we are comfortable with having. The, the kind that we default to. God's going to control it. God's hands are just, you know, really big hands with fingers that can switch every little switch everywhere at every time. Abel with his giant fingers to do the things. And we're left feeling like we didn't get justice because the fingers didn't work the way we wanted them to. But that's a huge assumption there. That's a huge assumption that I, that I want to look at with you together. The one that we skip over is that God can only be in charge the way that we can imagine God being in charge. That God's sovereignty can only fit into our idea of like what kings do. Human kings. As if that were enough. As if that concept were enough to figure out how God works in the world. We give God human hands and then demand that God handle it. Just like we imagine God giving us a raw deal and demanding that we handle it. It's tiny. But Jesus is our wisdom from God. So I ask, what did he do? When Jesus faced the situation that he thought he couldn't handle, what did Jesus do? This is, this is how we, we need to read the, the, the universe, is according to Jesus. We're not going to figure it all out. Our hands are too small. Our brains are too small. We're just too small. But God came to be small with us and show us how to do it. God showed us how to relate to God in Jesus. When Jesus was facing something that he thought he couldn't handle, he said, thy will be done. That's the old King James. Here it is in, a, in more modern language. Would someone read this for me? part in the King James is thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus is saying, you're in charge. 
I don't think that it's about control. I think this moment is about relating in obedience. And I think that's what God would have us do. That's how Jesus would have us be like him. When, when something is impossible to handle. He doesn't describe how it works or offers some demand upon God. He relates. He loves. He trusts. There's no formula or system of God's sovereignty or, or a theological treatise. It, it's holding hands, not, not holding something in your hand as if it were a tool. His own life Jesus's isn't even in his own hands. And if you're honest, you know that your own life isn't in yours either. The demand to do so, to handle it, is probably the most damning wisdom from the world in this conversation. And I think it's also the hardest to overcome. It's not necessarily what we're thinking, it's how we're thinking it. You know, this this phrase isn't terrible that that's why it's so popular that's why people say it god only gives you as much as you can handle that feels good but it's the kind of thinking that we're doing when we're saying that 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 could be very dangerous to our faith because the worldly wisdom the wisdom that the world takes from this is that here control the situation more than you feel it that feeling it isn't going to accomplish anything. Get it figured out. The platitude could be a helpful expression of trust in the midst of darkness, but it could also be a way to, to skip over the pain of the moment. And then the healing never comes. Then the, the, the loving, trusting relationship that is offered to us with the Father never happens because we skipped over it. We jumped over that assumption. God wants me to take care of this. And God's God somehow... I don't know how, is going to help me do it. But here we see God actually doing it with Jesus. It starts with expressing your real feeling, asking for help, and then saying, thy will be done. Do you see what Jesus does here? It's not, he's not even just asking for help from God. He can't even stay up without his friends. If you know the rest of the story, his friends let him down, but he needs help. <coughs> stay here and keep watch with me. I gotta, I gotta look at these feelings. I am sorrowful to the point of death. Will you, will you feel this with me? That's what he's asking the disciples. If we skip over that step, uh, I think we, we can't get to asking for help, especially not asking God for help, because we don't think God cares. God just wants you to handle it. You know, God might be the, the dad that tells you to rub some dirt in your cut. I, I'm that dad sometimes. God, God's better than me. God's hands are, are even beyond space and time. Not even, I don't even think we could say God's hands are bigger. <sighs> expressing your true feeling, though. Expressing it even to yourself. Not just to God, but, but even so you yourself can hear it. So that it's not an assumption. I feel this. I'm sorrowful to the point of death. Jesus says it out loud. It helps to say it to a friend, to a real person. God sometimes isn't as, as present in our hearts as, as, as we, we want. 
So to say it to someone's face, but even just to say it out loud, just to your own self, or maybe write it down, get it out of your own head and say, this is how I actually feel. Even if the, the, the feelings are terrible, uh, even if you don't think they're acceptable, say it out loud, write it down, make it real. And then you end with thy will be done. Not my will, but, but thy will be done. You're in charge. God's not in control. God's in charge for Jesus. Jesus, Jesus doesn't know what's going to happen here. He, he knows that the authorities are out for him. Do you know what's happening here in the story? I didn't, I didn't back it up with, with, with the timeline. So let me just tell you real quick. He's in this place where he's about to get arrested and killed by the authorities. The first set of authorities don't like him because he uh, says things that uh, offend their religious sensibilities. Like seriously offend it. Uh, and then they hand him over to the, to the oppressing Roman force and they kill him. They crucify him. Kind of just cause, cause that's what they do. Uh, but that's, that's, that's beyond control. God's, God's in charge. God is ordering what needs to happen. What do I need to do in this moment is a much better question to ask than, um, what are you going to do? What do you like, God? You know, this question puts us into the, this, this, uh, category, categorizing God. God never gives us more than we can handle. Now this is a thing. This is an abstraction. It's not, we can't relate to that, to that sentence. God is actually in charge. God is relating to Jesus in this moment. And I think that's what we do in these really hard places. It's the trust that makes this sentence. Did I have it up here again? No, I don't. Uh, well, I can go back to it. If you say, that God only gives us what God never gives you more than you can handle. Like if you say that, God never gives me more than I can handle. If you're in a tough spot and you say that as, as an expression of trust, if it's a, it's, if it's a, if it's, you're saying essentially I'm pressed, but not crushed. I'm persecuted, not abandoned. Paul says that one time. If you're saying that, I think it could work. I don't want to throw this out necessarily. But I want to I want to reorient it to the trust and to the relationships that there that's there. This is kind of like something that your your aunt might say, you know. It's like a, this seems like an aunt thing to say, like your great aunt maybe. Um, and I think that she probably says it with that kind of trust, unless she doesn't, and then it's paper thin, and then it sucks, and then God sucks, <laughs> you know. But if you have that, that trusting, loving relationship that Jesus is having with the Father that he offers to us, that's where it gets real. That's where it, it, it can be trusted. We can appreciate the person who finds comfort in this phrase while, while also rejecting its excesses. So if you find comfort in this phrase, like if you are a great aunt, <laughs> um, or you're just yourself, I think, I think that it's fine. But if you don't, if, if this just really bothers you, which I think it does a lot of people, uh, Jesus has a less concrete and maybe less instantly satisfying answer. Um, trust the Father. I, I, it's much less simplistic. It, it doesn't fit into kind of conventional wisdom, you know? It doesn't prove itself immediately. It, it, you can't win an argument with trust the Father. 
It's more relational, more complex. It, it varies from person to person because everyone is having a different relationship. But it's it's longer to come to. Like it takes a longer time to get there, but it's much longer lasting than just applying this principle to your life. And I think that's that's the 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 reorientation that I that I have for you is trust the Father, connect, love, say it, say that you're having a problem, share it, ask for what you need, and then say, well, what do we do? What do we do, God? What do I do right here, right now? There isn't a, there isn't a preconceived answer for now. But God wants to give you the answer that you need for this moment, and we can ask. So I want to pray for you in that regard, and then we're going to go back to um, this this litany, which which gives us the the wisdom from God and Jesus. Kim will lead us in that in a moment. But let me pray first, and we'll keep praying with that. Holy Spirit, we breathe you in. We know you're here. Jesus, you went before us and you showed us how to relate. Thank you. Father, we're here now. And we're asking what thy will is. Show us the way. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.